0: Hi and welcome to the Changes Ahead podcast,
1: giving space to the often unheard questions,
0: doubts, hopes and challenges facing the church in Aotearoa, New Zealand. I'm Stephen
1: and I'm Kathy, and we invite you to join us as we imagine the changes ahead.
0: me growing up in church and even at home, I didn't really get a chance to talk much about politics. It wasn't really, we weren't in a particularly engaged political family. And so this this conversation is so, so helpful to have. And I think just one, to reduce some of the taboo that that is around it. But also for me, I was really challenged as Brooke was speaking to make sure that I'm choosing to listen to people who I know I'm going to disagree with. I think that's such an important point because, yeah, they're a part of the They're a part of our country, they're they're people who we are on the journey with together, I'm on the journey with together. So what does it look like for me to to really engage with them and listen and and try and understand? I might never agree, but that that challenge to to reach across perspectives that I might disagree with and see the fellow human alongside me Mm -hmm. in it.
1: And I think that's a really important thing in terms of what we can be encouraging is that place of dialogue and understanding and that we can have an important role in that. And for me, this conversation is just so crucial because I so deeply value the privilege of voting. And to be able to have a conversation around getting us to connect with, what is our why? I think sometimes it's easy to just vote because we're on default, because that's what we've always done. And it can feel a bit disloyal if we're voting maybe differently to our our families. So to do that work of the why, what are the deep values that shape our voting? And so I really hope that this gives people just a chance to reflect.
0: So let's listen into this conversation with Brooke.
1: Brooke, I'd just like to welcome you back to the changes ahead because we had you on last year. And you were talking about the environment and our response to that as Christians, and we really enjoyed that conversation. And more recently, you've been posting some really interesting thoughts about the elections and the way we vote. And what struck me is that you really got me thinking. And even got me thinking to investigate different parties and to think outside maybe what I would normally do. And so we thought, would you come back and chat with us? So welcome back.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me again.
0: So today, uh, given we are in election week, we thought that having a bit of a conversation amongst the three of us might spark some ability for others to have some conversations around this. But today, Kathy and I are going to share some of the way that we are thinking and how, uh, how we are uh, engaging with the topic as well. So it'll be a little different to our, our regular kind of more interview format. And so in line with our commitment to nothing being taboo uh, in a topic that is often not talked about, in my experience at least, in the church, we want to just have a kōrero together and see where we go. So maybe as we begin, um, let's let's talk about how does our faith and theology inform, or how is that going to inform, how we vote on Saturday, or perhaps we may already have voted in the early voting.
2: So yeah, I've done a bit of thinking about this, well, since I've ever been voting, and I think my, my views on it have changed, and, and I hope matured over a bit of time but as i've kind of engaged with different political topics and and different what different parties are doing and then engaged with friends families and others i think what's kind of spun out of that for me is like there are three things that are quite central i look at something like how did jesus live his life what were the values that kind of came out of his life and what he did when he was here and I don't want to, like, pull out Bible verses to just back up my point, but if you wanted things to, like, kind of exemplify that value, the, the Bible verse that stands out to me is Matthew 25:40, where Jesus talks about whatever you've done for the least of these. Mm-hmm. It's something that I see is really prominent through his life and what he was doing. He was interested in human thriving, mm-hmm. but he was also very willing to challenge the status quo and was not interested. In fact, he was pretty anti-empire. And what that does, especially when it comes to at the cost of human thriving. Mm. So I see a lot of values in there about what you're The second thing that guides me is that the here and now matters. So this world, our people here now, our environment, our systems, they matter. We're not waiting for some kind of mythical state that will happen in the future, that we're going to ship off to heaven. We've got a responsibility here now and there is things that we could be involved with and things that we could be doing here and now that are important and sometimes this is captured in this idea as above so below or you know as on heaven so on earth um, which is captured in matthew and then the last one actually is about seeking the good of the city so uh, this is in in the bible in jeremiah it's also in first peter where the disciples the christians there are exhorted to like Don't try and separate yourself out. Don't get disengaged from politics. Like engage yourself with what's happening in your society. Be involved. And don't try and make it kind of into something that's only going to benefit you as Christians. But What's actually going to be good for the the whole society? So those kind of things, and and there'll be others and there'll be other kind of nuances and stuff, but those are the big three that often come to mind for me. And so what I do is I look for parties in, in my current context whose values align with that. Now, what I often end up doing is not, I don't actually always start with their policies, because policies are just the expression of their values at that moment, and they will change. But once they get into government, they're going to enact new laws that you don't often get a chance to vote on. So I want to make sure that the people that I'm putting my vote towards share my values, or at least are as, as aligned as you're going to get in the current system. I don't think anyone's ever going to share 100% of your values, but... Which one's going in the direction that I want to go?
0: So if it's if it's not about the policies, how do you tell, right? Yeah. Is that, yeah. What are you, what are you what are you looking for in in our politicians or in the people that that are seeking your vote? Yeah,
2: so I think there's a few different ways that I do that. The first would be that I um, I just try and watch stuff that that the the leader usually of the party is saying, and I don't mean little sound bites on the six o'clock news, right? I go and actually try and find interviews with them and stuff like that uh, and try and see a little bit more behind, you know, the the policies into like, but what do you, what do you think what's caused you to get to that point? And you can usually do this in lots of ways, following them on social channels or just digging stuff up on YouTube or wherever you're going to find things. So just trying to find out the human behind the policies a bit and what's actually, what makes them tick. Then I guess there's stuff that you can figure out just based on their party views, manifesto, affiliations, and kind of where they sit on a political compass, right? So I don't just mean a left-right spectrum, but like what are their views on economy? What are their views on your your political compass can obviously go in lots of different ways, but you know, your social conservatism or your authoritarian, libertarian, all those kind of things. And... If you don't know where you sit on those, like as a person, there's plenty of online tests and things that you can do to kind of help you figure out where you sit on that and where your values kind of sit.
1: One of the things that I've really appreciated about your book is that you do this extra work because, you know, sometimes I've gone in and I've gone, ah, I just come out more confused. So I do appreciate that you're not afraid to put things out there so that it gives a springboard for me to go, okay, well, that's really interesting. Could you help me understand? So just even to create those kind of spaces where we could talk, because I'm sure there are other people like me going, it's just really confusing. Mm -hmm. And then as I I find for myself that in conversation, I start to form more of what I'm thinking and it helps with some of the confusion.
2: Yeah, and and I would, Wager we don't do the conversation very well at the moment. And I don't just mean as the church or Christians. I mean as a New Zealand society, possibly a Western society. That's one of my biggest concerns at the moment, actually, is that we seem to have lost or are losing the ability to, to have these conversations in helpful ways. And generally, what we're seeing is more and more polarization, more and more tribalism, more and more division. And you've already mentioned my, my previous chat with you guys about climate change, right? Like, if we just use that as one issue, it's not an issue we're going to solve by someone repealing something every three years because they don't like the direction things are going, right? Like, we, we have to work together and we have to find a way to to solve some of these big problems as a human species. It doesn't matter what colour you put on your voting ballot. So that's actually why I'm, one of the reasons I'm really interested in kind of civic education and civic engagement, because half of one society isn't going to really be able to solve this, the, the problems mm-hmm. that we have coming up. And so I want to find ways. How do we how do we get people talking in a better way? How do we get people engaging with the topic and helpful? And I, I guess I'm going to say more mature ways. I don't want to imply that people that are mature, like, out of being malicious, but just haven't had the opportunities to develop into, like, that there's there is more nuance to this. It's not always simple and black and white. And there's a lot of stuff that we need to dig into.
1: And just want to pick up on that word nuance. I think that's the thing that we're not very good at. You know, as a culture um, and society, we would much rather, and I understand this because it takes less work and it's it's less harder if we could have the quick fixes. Mm -hmm. Yep. But what I've seen in history and what I've seen in my own life, real change, doesn't come easy it doesn't come without a lot of discomfort and it will be painful and I think even to start to have the conversations around well if it's not quick fixes how are we going to learn how to sit in spaces that are going to be harder and that is going to mean we're going to have to look at how we do community together because I think the only way to be able to sit in those kind of spaces is we have to really look at how we live together We're going to need each other so much more. And therefore, I, I simply cannot do this as an individual. Mm. I think that's the biggest kind of myth that we've unfortunately brought into, is what I can solve as an individual.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. And I think that's for for me with this yeah this election cycle, I've been really challenged in how I see people who might think differently to me, who might vote differently to me, and because it's really easy, yeah. If we're talking about nuance, right? Like it's really mm. easy to just paint those people with a, a brush of whatever it might be that is anti the brush that I'm painting with. But what that does, is, as as you kind of talked about, Brooke, is is it just puts us at opposite ends of of this divide rather than enables relationship. And mm-hmm. I think you know, some of the people who are, are close to me who think very different to me you know, politically, and we we can have some incredibly robust conversations where we express our maybe even frustration at times with the, uh, the other perspective. But yet, because there is this deep relationship to begin with, those awkward, uncomfortable conversations, which I don't think I've ever come to a resolution in those conversations, but I think I've got to know more about that person and I've got to understand Mm. more, and that brings us closer. Mm. And so that's, I think that's, that's one of the the values that I'm trying to live out. And I, to be honest, I don't do it well. A lot of the time, especially in this, this time of, 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 of elections where I go, Oh, this side is going to be not the side that I vote for. And so I I don't want to engage, but actually the challenge to me that has regularly come up for me is how do I make sure that I see the human behind a vote mm. yeah and that's something that on whatever the topic is it doesn't have to be political yeah. right it could be any topic whether it's disagreement like you've, you've mentioned against already that's such a for me it's been a real challenge to kind of just to stop othering people mm. As, mm. I, as I seek to vote in alignment with my values but also acknowledge that that's what everybody is doing yeah and, and I
2: don't want to uh, imply that I'm a paragon of virtue in this space either. Um, <laughs> definitely something that I'm still growing in. But, but I can also attest to the value of going out for a coffee with someone or sitting down for a beer and, and actually talking some stuff through and seeing that person behind the view and hearing more nuance than you might hear through other mediums of kind of communication. But even more than just seeing the human learning things, right, and being like, oh, okay, I didn't realize that, you know, and that that now changes my perspective on these things. Mm. I have to figure out what do I do with that information? Do I, like, do I dig in deeper? Do I reject it? Do I assimilate it? Those kind of things. So, yeah, definitely, definitely important. I think one thing that I've learned the selection cycle is I've started to become less frustrated with people voting according to their values and, like, and, and voting different to me and more frustrated with the way that we go about engaging like with this whole space. So it doesn't actually matter what the topic is, whether you're talking about the economy or the environment and how you're going to vote, blue, red, green, purple, whatever. <laughs> it's more about have you done your homework, right, or have you listened to a 6 p.m. news soundbite and you're now going to be like, cool, I'm, I'm done. Right. Because I heard this little snippet and I would love to see more people engaging with the data and the evidence and digging into the policy and listening to what experts from across the spectrum are saying about it and really kind of actually grappling with it. Yeah. I have found it a bit tricky when talking with people and they're kind of like, well, that's just what I think. And I'm moving on. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know how to have go beyond this now in the conversation because I can present you graphs and whatever, but you don't care. Like it doesn't really matter. You've kind of made up your mind based on something that it's a bit hard to discuss. Like it's hard to dig into. So, and, and
0: that is a challenge, right? Because I, I have I have a political leaning, and so that leaning is going to be, I guess, as far as yeah, you know, that similar question for me, how faith or theology informs that. That it is going to lead me to be thinking beyond just what's going to benefit myself. What is going to be, as as you kind of highlighted, the the least of of these in our country, the people who are struggling the most for whatever reason, and so if that is my leaning to begin with, am I even willing to engage with the the thinking from from the other side, right? And and I have to, that's a that's a question that I'm, I'm I'm kind of reflecting on right now, going, huh, have I really done the homework enough to be able to say, well, yes, this is why, but it's again, have I just painted the others? With a broad brush because of my assumptions, mm. so that's yeah, that is a another real challenge for for me in this in this space. What is the data that I have actually engaged with, or is it just my assumptions? That's yeah. What about you, Kathy? How, how does how does your faith inform the way you are voting?
1: Well, there's a number of things that you guys have already talked about, but one of the really important ones is I really don't take for granted that I can vote as a woman. That's mm. huge for me. And I'm so proud of our history yeah. that we were the first country. But I'm also disappointed, to be honest, that it's not taught more in our schools. I have talked to young people who don't even know who Kate Shepard is. Well. And that really saddens me. Like, mm-hmm. really? Unless it's talked about in our families, people don't don't realize that. And so That for me, yeah, saddens me Mm -hmm. when there are so many women around the world who do not have this privilege. Mm -hmm. So first of all, that I don't take that for granted, and I'm so grateful that I have a voice. So I hope yeah, that our listeners really do take that seriously too. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing for me is my faith informs me that I am part of a collective, Mm -hmm. and I do want to vote in a way that benefits more and and that's a really tricky one because some policies will benefit some and that means some will miss out Mm. and you're having to weigh up that difficult choice of we can't catch everybody and so I suppose that's part of the conversation and so even for me I'm reflecting on that there is one party that I'll benefit more from as an individual but another party will actually benefit more. So I'm making a choice to go, I want to choose the more Mm -hmm. because I want to live in a world that more people have access to what I call just the basics. And just as an example, I was listening to the 2020 program on Sunday and they were talking about funerals. And I didn't realize that one of the the stats they've got is that at least 30% of New Zealanders do not have just the basic reserves to be able to put a funeral on for their families. And I, I don't know, but as a, as a Christian, that saddens me. Mm. So I want to live in a society that that's more just. Mm. So that that influences my voting. And, and like what you said, Brooke, so that's that real concern for the least, for those who just do not have equal access. Mm. I'm really concerned about that. And I'm also deeply concerned about the environment. I want somewhere for my my grandchildren. I want them to have somewhere to grow up and that yeah that we haven't we haven't destroyed Mm. that there's a place for them we've got an earth for them to live on and that's what you said and and the podcast last year Mm. yeah so I I'm really shaped by those things Mm. but I know that again it's nuanced and there are no quick fixes and I think we need to have more conversations around, are we prepared for the hard work mm. to create change? Yeah. What, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of issues that we have specifically in New Zealand. I'm sure there are others that are, that are global as well, but that may require people who are at least historically in a more privileged position to vote against their interests for the sake of like their grandchildren, tamariki, that are coming. And it's not even necessarily of any fault of their own. You could probably get into a big discussion about their political views and how that's shaped society, but it's happened. And many of them were just taken along for the ride of the zeitgeist of the time. And political leaders of the time have taken us to this space. And now we have to figure out, are we happy here? Or do we want to dig, dig I mean, I don't think we are in a good space so I'm going to say we need to dig ourselves out but some people may think we're in a good spot that's fine but are we are we happy here yeah.
0: So it does strike me that the three of us sound like we are probably leaning in a pretty similar direction uh, politically. I guess I want to acknowledge that. So can we think through together what? Yeah, there'll be people who disagree with our political leanings as we've we've articulated them. Yeah, with, with I guess with a, a level of of vagueness. But how can we, as 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 a, a group of three people now, I guess, give space to people who disagree with us? Do you think what's What's a way of, of bringing this conversation beyond the three of us who like pretty much agree?
1: I was just thinking, when we were talking earlier, I think one of the things we could begin to do more, and I think we were talking about this, is most people are fearful. Mm. We're fearful of about the world changing so fast and things aren't the same as they used to be. And so even to listen to what people are fearful about or what is it that they're struggling with, I think you were talking about that as well, Brooke, that it, it creates understanding to go, oh, okay, that's your starting point. Mm. Yep. And I think we could begin there because people are generally a concern. Things are changing really fast, and so we can't rely on what we, what we used to know or what we used to have. That sort of sense of certainty has been really uprooted. So maybe at least beginning there to talk about what what is it that you're afraid of.
2: And I bounce on off that and build on top of it to say, we need to have a conversation. I mean ideally as a nation but it needs to start somewhere of like what's our identity and what's our values and where are we going what what does it mean to be a kiwi whether you're born here or whether you immigrate here what's our guiding light as a country because i think one of the challenges that probably both sides of the political debate struggle with is that you know every six to nine years we kind of do a course correction and go back a different direction and and if it were a yacht and we were trying to like tack up a harbour that would make sense because we're aiming for something we're aiming for an island but i'm not convinced we have something we're aiming for so we're kind of just tacking about in the harbour but not always necessarily moving in a direction it'd be interesting to compare over a long period of time if we are actually heading somewhere but it doesn't often feel like it and so having that conversation as faith communities or ideally not just Faith communities, because that could be a little bit of an echo chamber, but starting to have those conversations as as groups of people in communities about what is it, what is our identity, what are our values, because then you can start saying, okay, well, if our value is fairness, let's say it's been historically one that's been quite um, prominent for Kiwis, although maybe that's changing, what does that then look like?
0: I was really encouraged to hear recently there was a a church who just a couple of members in, in the church said we want to have a conversation we want to have this conversation so so let's have uh, a gathering together uh and and let's talk and it's not let's talk about who we're going to vote for and why um as far from a political perspective but it's this the same question of how is our faith informing the way we are going to vote and I think the great thing is I heard about it afterwards was you had people across the spectrum talking about this and it, it didn't turn into kind of a big argument. It didn't turn into, you know, um, sort of some sort of um, divisive thing. It was a, there was obviously disagreement amongst there, but it was a willingness to, to actually share what they think and why. And I just, I, I was really inspired by that as a concept yeah as you say it has to start somewhere so why not start within the this family of believers that we've committed to to go yeah we disagree about these things but this is why i'm doing what i'm doing why are you doing what you're doing and coming with that again it's we talk about it a lot on the podcast this posture of humility rather than saying i've got the answers how can i learn from you and how can we continue on this journey together so i i just that was a real good news story yeah from from a church that i heard about Mm -hmm. so and i kind of am gutted i didn't make that happen in in the church that i'm involved in so yeah
2: i like that because it it went to that deeper level of Mm -hmm. the the values and and what you're trying to what you're working towards um i've been involved in you know election season and churches before and it often has kind of been like, meet the candidates, and, and there may be a discussion about, like, if you're lucky, a discussion about kind of church and state and politics and what's our involvement or something like that. But, and I, I get, it can be tricky for, very tricky for pastors to, or anyone in church leadership really, to address this topic from the pulpit and not um, get uh, accused of trying to manipulate the thing. And so I'm not trying to say that we should be doing that, but. It's something we've got to figure out how do we have this discussion we have people like brian tamaki who's effectively pushing for a theocracy
0: mm.
2: uh and like that's starting to become kind of the one of the dominant christian narratives out there i don't think we all think like that so how do we how do we get involved in that conversation but in a in that posture of humility i think is a really important thing to figure out mm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. One of my questions I want to put to the uh, the two of you is, and I hear this a lot, and I'm sure you're hearing it. People are concerned that they're going to have a wasted vote mm. or um, <laughs> that their vote doesn't count yeah. so in our uh everyday interactions, if we were come across people saying that, what can we say to them if they're concerned about their their vote being wasted? Oh. I've got a lot of thoughts on
2: this. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's two things that I would probably highlight. And I literally got a text message from my sister this morning asking me this exact question. So this is, this is fresh in my mind. The first is that, and this is a little bit like kind of a, a cliche, but no vote is a wasted vote if it aligns with your values, right? And you got involved in the democratic process. I struggle with all the regularly published polls that happen over the last three months because I think that they unduly influence the election and if I wonder what would happen if people just voted for what best aligned with their values and didn't try to play the game basically of um, strategic voting tactical voting that kind of stuff we would see I think we'd see a very different makeup of the end result because you are Voting blind, but that's intentional blind to what others are doing not blind to that point that party or that, their policies But this the thing that i've I guess recently Uncovered which I don't like this just goes to where we need to teach more about this in schools and stuff Is that There's a cumulative effect of you know the The funding that's allocated to political parties to be used in public campaigns and stuff is in part based on how they polled in the previous election. So if you have a particular party that you want to see that really aligns with your values, but right now they're not polling you know, at that 5% threshold or whatever, you can choose to not vote for them and put your vote somewhere else because you think, well, they're not going to get in, so it's a waste. Or you can choose to play the long game and say, there's work here to be done this election, and by increasing their final result next election they stand a better chance of having more funding more airtime, more awareness given to them so you could choose any kind especially the minor parties obviously labor national not as influenced by that anymore but in the minor party space you definitely have people who and not getting the airtime or the, the features that you will see because they just didn't pull and they've cut the threshold. They've got to set a threshold somewhere, right? For all those kind of minor party debates and whether they do like a policy comparison. Like I, I keep seeing these here's how the major parties talk about climate change. And it's like, okay, but you've got five, and then yeah, there are like eight or nine parties that actually do have policies on this. Why are we not hearing about those? And it's just because the threshold has been set at a certain place. So I would encourage people to find the party that aligns with their values and play the long game. That's, that's helpful for me because to be honest, I don't really think about
0: the the long game. You know, I think about what's going to happen on Saturday. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, that's a really helpful tip and, and even just that little piece of data that is new to me, but yeah, that the funding that is allocated is based on the previous election. Yeah, that's, that's a really helpful way of, of kind of encouraging people to engage more in this process.
2: And, and then I'll probably add to that, which is it doesn't stock on Saturday, right? Like if there's a party that is going to the same destination or towards the same destination that you are in terms of value alignment, which is a nice metaphor I think about that it's not a, it's not a marriage, it's like public transport. You don't have to be stuck with them forever. You're just trying to get a bus you know, closer to the city. If you have a party that's going in that direction and you are playing the long game, it's not every three years that you engage with that right there's mm. it's what are you doing with your sphere of influence in between and i'm not necessarily talking about like proselytizing and trying to like convert people to your cause per se but it's about having these conversations that we've we've been discussing right and and bringing in those other perspectives whether they're from other parties or just from other places but yeah making people aware of that
1: so you're saying. We don't just stop thinking about this so that once we vote, that's it. We don't have to think about it for another three years. You're actually encouraging us in the long game to keep on having these conversations. And I would think, too, then by the time we get to the next election, (laughs) we will be more prepared. Maybe we would have have more more to bring to the table because we've done some more work to think think things through. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is quite hard, to be honest, to try and now at the last minute to go, oh, what do I think? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it definitely requires homework. And there are things you can do to help with that. Like you don't have to have a degree in political science and read every single policy and it's like 98 page PDF or anything. There are plenty of groups out there on all shades and colors of the spectrum who will do policy anal- analysis and they have experts, and they have people that you can then read their views on it. And that is a helpful way to scaffold yourself in terms of, okay, here's what some other people are thinking, and then go, actually, I want to dig into that part a bit more, though, because I'm not super sure I either agree with them, or, okay, that's interesting, let's, let's go read that for myself. But I'd love to see more people just involved between elections in, let's call it the, the political world. They don't mean running for parliament or anything, but I, I just mean being involved in these conversations, because the discourse is shaped over a long period of time, and and we end up in a state that then parties will capitalize on, for good, for bad, depends on your views, to, to take stuff, something to a new space and to enact policy. So, and a, 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 that's massively shaped by by public opinion and, and by public discussion, and that's us, right? We are that public. So, what are we doing about it?
1: So, we're coming to the end, and this has been a great conversation. So, thanks, Brooke. But what I think you're describing is uh, fits with this great phrase that I love, called our uh, critical yeast. And you're talking about the the belief that what we do um, has the power to bring about change, one seed at a time. And, and if there's enough of us to constantly having that public discourse, that's how real change happens. And when it does happen, it becomes critical mass. So you're encouraging us not to just put this on the back burner. Be a part of real change in our spheres of influence that we can be yeast. And isn't that really what Jesus called us to be? To be yeast, to, to permeate and to believe that that does bring about change. So thank you for for this conversation.
0: As we are wrapping up, just one final word: you know, early voting is open, and obviously election day is Saturday. So so get out there and everyone use the voice that you have; it won't be wasted. Uh, and let's engage ourselves in our democratic process in New Zealand, because so many people around the world don't have that opportunity. So get out there and vote.
2: And if you know of people who can't get to a polling station, help them.
0: Awesome. awesome. Thanks, Brooke.
2: Cool. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Changes Ahead podcast.
1: If that resonated with you.
0: Or you've got thoughts about the changes ahead for the church.
1: We'd love to hear from you.
0: So get in touch on Instagram or Facebook at Changes
1: Or email us at thechangesaheadpodcast at gmail.com. See you next time.